Welcome, family. Glad to have you. Welcome, welcome. Take a seat. Let's get started. Finally have time to sit down and do a podcast. Get some things off my chest. No travel sports going on right now. No camp drop-offs. Just a little bit of time to actually pull my thoughts together. So, this is the Taking Notes Podcast. My name is John Carroll. For those of you who this is the first time you're hearing my voice. I'm an educator, close to 20 years in the education game now. I work at a great school where the joyful pursuit of educational excellence is the motto. I taught at all grade levels from elementary to college. And it is important for me at this point to do a podcast because for many years now, I've been a pseudo consultant, you could say. People ask me about schools, certainly here locally in California, which ones make sense for their kid, which ones, um, you know, are really true to their mission, whether it is their academic mission, whether it is their diversity, equity, inclusion mission. Lots of schools have become much more serious about that in the last five years. And so I just thought a podcast would be a great way to share some of that information beyond my small little village. Uh, I feel like that information should be in the hands of all. There's nothing more important than the institution that you choose to place your child in. We're going to get into some topics that are really affecting education right now, which gets me to my next point of why a podcast. There's a lot going on in education right now. Today's topic, the main topic is Florida's recent release of their standards and guidelines for how black history is to be taught. As you can imagine, that raises some eyebrows. There's also recently been an attack on the idea of race and how it pertains to education. The Supreme Court's affirmative action decision. And so when you look at those two things in particular, you look at the rise of parent bill of rights in school districts and how school districts are being manipulated for political gain. I just felt like I needed to throw my voice into the ring as someone who has been in the game for a while and hope that for those who you know are young and I've taught and have had interaction with, you can get my real thoughts on it. And for those you know who are old and in a position older, not old, older, vet, as I like to say, and are in positions to direct education for their children, perhaps this is a way to think about ways to advocate, think about ways to make sure your child's passage through school, the K-12, K-16 pipeline is a safe one. At the end of the day, I have accepted that my calling, my mission in this life is to make sure that education happens in a way that is equitable for people, that is not divisive, that young people have the opportunity to experience all that this world has to offer and not in a way that creates gaps um, for some, while others are able to have more privileged experiences and so this is the, the lofty goal of why I'm doing a podcast. So 
We are going to have some fun, of course. I'm going to try and be as entertaining as possible by sharing my opinions. This time around, I'm going to roll solo. But in future episodes, I definitely will have some friends, members of the village on, share their expertise. We're going to go the next four weeks straight until school starts. And then since I do have a real job that requires me to wear many hats, I'm just going to go monthly after that um, and just tackle whatever the hot topic uh, is at the time. And again, hopefully bring on some folks to share their expertise. So that's laying the groundwork. As we keep going, I will share some rules that we'll have to make sure as we engage with one another, you can process and hear what I'm saying, that as we engage in conversation, we do it in a respectful manner. Because anything else, I can't tolerate. So I'm gonna take a quick catch my breath, get a sip of water, I'm gonna be right back to get into our first topic. Okay, so let's get into it. We've got this Florida School District Standards Report that comes out in the last couple of weeks. And the headlines are all about the notion that the enslaved took benefits from their servitude so that when they were free, they could be productive citizens. And what a novel concept this is. But from the very beginning, the problem that I've always had with the teaching of Black history in schools is the notion that our history starts with landing on the American colonial shores in 1619 to the detriment and the, and the erasure of life on the continent and the kingdoms and the tribes and the historical traditions that existed before the enslaved were stripped of all of that upon landing here in America. So that's my first beef. Anytime that you talk about black history, curriculum involving the contributions of black people, that's the first thing. And so when you look at what has been created here, by a work group of the Florida Department of Education, a work group largely appointed by Ron DeSantis, you have this reimagining of the impacts of slavery. And so what I want to really point out here is that when people talk about educators, I'm gonna be specific, when educators talk about examples of institutional racism, this is what it is. This is in the dictionary what we're talking about. You have a governor, governor's office using their bully pulpit to drive legislation that privileges one group over another. And so in this case, you have Ron DeSantis appointing members to a work group and ignoring his African-American history task force that for two decades, 20 years, has been 
basically the ombudsman for black history curriculum in the state of Florida to the point that they give out, you know, what here in California, blue ribbon awards uh, for exemplary teaching of black history. So that task force, A, gets ignored, but also has been populated by Ron DeSantis appointees to effectively make it useless and decorative when it comes to holding the state accountable for how it teaches black history. And so when you combine those two things together, you can't be surprised when you have a result that is history standards that do not allow for the true and fully factual teaching of African-American history and the full scope of the impact of slavery. Because if you really allowed to understand the full scope of slavery, many things that are happening in this country today make sense. And that starts with the idea that if you continue to hold black people in particular in states of being less educated, then it is proven. Studies across all disciplines, sociology, education show that the less educated you are, the less able you are to find a job, the less able you are to support yourself, and now you will likely end up in the carceral state, which America does better than anyone else. And so, one other question that comes to mind when I think about this example is why, why black people? Why are we only looking at black history curriculum in Florida, a place that only has a 13% population? And for me, the hypothesis that I'm gonna ride with is the idea that Ron DeSantis as the leader of the state knows that he can bully black people in the state. In the 2018 election, where he barely beat Andrew Gillum, he only got 9% of the black vote. In his most recent election in 2022, he still lost a majority of the black vote running against Charlie Crist. And so Ron DeSantis, as politicians do, has clearly run the numbers and decided that I can push whatever policy I want to score political points as I try to push for the presidential office. And there's really not much that black people can do. Particularly when I have a critical mass of black Republicans that I can place into positions of power who will echo my talking points. And if you look at who Ron DeSantis has uh, appointed particularly to the Broward County School District, then you can see what I'm talking about. And this is just troubling to me because if you can do this to black people, then you can certainly do it to Latinx people. You can certainly do it to the Asian population, which is very small in Florida. 
and by crushing the will and the advocacy for black representation, then it keeps, you know, any notions of you know, the Latinx community rising up and doing the same. It crushes any notion of the Asian community rising up and doing the same. We already know how Ron DeSantis has treated the LGBTQ community in Florida, going so far as to go to war with Disney over their representations. And so that to me is why this Florida standards uh, document is particularly troubling because there will be copycat actions in places where the governors hold similar power, have taken over similar school districts, have appointed similar school boards. Greg Abbott is an example. We saw Glenn Youngkin in Virginia run on a softer but similar platform of parents' bills of rights. And these are things that are troubling because they take the access and the opportunity for education out of the hands of communities of color. And these are things that so many people have fought so hard for. And again, the reason that I feel like I have to crack a mic open and do a podcast is because I feel like I have to just point these things out. We are going in a direction towards life in America after Reconstruction, where gains that Black communities in particular had made were torn away through violence. So we're talking about how Black Wall Street got burned down in Tulsa, talking about the massacres that happened in the states of Florida and across the South as people were scared away from the right to vote and didn't really get it back until the 60s. So this is why I feel like it's necessary to sound an alarm when it comes to these dangerous bills that privilege one group over another. Because we could blink and we will not have an education system that tells accurate stories of anybody but those of the privileged descendants of the settlers who first formed this country. Got to take a break on that. Let's think about solutions next. Okay. So after all the dark and gloomy, we understand just how diabolical Ryan DeSantis has been in executing this educational takeover plan, his war against the woke, as he say, as he says. And by the way, let's just be clear on this podcast. Woke is not this co-opted version of the word that now is almost a curse when you say it out loud. To be woke is to understand systems at play. It is to understand who the gatekeepers are, 
how the chess pieces move on the board, if you will, and being able to move accordingly. So the idea that woke is something to be of disdain is ridiculous as far as this podcast is concerned. Just had to get that out there. So anyway, the warrior against the woke who is now running a presidential campaign that isn't going so great has made all these changes to education in Florida. How do you fight it? If I was in Florida, I'd be looking one to build coalition. Florida Education Association has over 150,000 teachers. I'd be looking to see how I could build consensus to fight against these laws in Florida. Because I think there's a general understanding or should be a general understanding that this law does not allow for the effective practice of teaching, certainly if you're a social studies teacher. So as a teacher, that would be a start. Outside of the classroom, I'd be looking to any and all institutions that have a focus and an interest in children of color, black children in particular, and making sure programs were in place to make sure that the history that they should know was being delivered to them, that they are immersed in it, that they are exposed to it. So I'm talking churches, I'm talking fraternity and sorority organizations, I'm talking cultural enrichment nonprofits, community centers. This is what other groups do to ensure that their history is passed on from generation to generation. It's something that I engage in because I see it again here in my own backyard. Certainly what I'd be pushing for amongst organizers in Florida. Another thing, if I'm a teacher, I'm trying to find a way to argue and bargain against these laws in the next contract. Because again, if I can't practice teaching in the way that I was trained to do it, then why am I going to accept practicing and being a teacher in these classrooms? One of the things that I think is going to happen if laws like this continue to proliferate is that there will be a brain drain. You will see more and more teachers leave a profession that is already heavily impacted by teachers not staying in it longer than five or so years. And so now if you are forcing teachers to practice in this way, then perhaps you see them just to say, decide to say, I'm not doing this. So those would be three ways that I'd be looking to make change. If I'm a parent, perhaps I just consider homeschooling. Perhaps homeschooling co-ops start to pop up. Perhaps you start to pay disgruntled teachers who have left the public school district and you have little pods the same way that we saw during COVID. 
There's many, many examples. COVID taught us a lot. It taught us how to be resourceful. I hope that in Florida and across the country, we do not just see people roll over and let such damaging changes to the way education happens take place. All right, we're gonna wrap up. We've got who needs to come to the Dean's office for a conversation and who's on this week's honor roll coming up. All right, as we wrap up, it's time to go over who needs to come to the Dean's office to have a conversation. We're gonna start with Mitch McConnell, Barbara Feinstein, both examples of why we need term limits when it comes to government office, both senators, upwards of 80, McConnell 81, Feinstein at 90, Mitch McConnell looked like he was having a moment at the podium this week and had to take a break before regaining his composure. Ms. Feinstein, after a long absence from Senate has returned, had to be reminded to vote this week. Both need to come and have a conversation with the Dean about that succession plan. It's time to pack up and find a nice retirement option. Next up coming to the Dean's office is Greg Abbott and his Texas Education Agency. After a state takeover of the Houston Independent School District, the largest in Texas with 200,000 students, 83% of them black and brown, the agency and its new leader, Mike Morath, have decided that libraries no longer need to exist in the district schools. Instead, they will turn into discipline centers where students will be sent to learn remotely if they run afoul of teachers. This is disgusting. So again, we are removing the opportunity for literacy for students in the name of discipline and conduct, which we know from research most often affects students of color. We need to have a conversation in the Dean's office. Switching gears, let's go to the honor roll. The honor roll is for those who have done something worthy of praise. The virtual gold star shout out. And we start out this week with Jalen Brown, who after signing his new $304 million record-breaking contract with the Boston Celtics, talked openly about bringing Black Wall Street to Boston. What a monumental achievement that would be in the history of Boston if he was able to do that. Just him mentioning Black Wall Street alone, I hope, sent the kids in his bridge program to the internets to figure out what he was talking about and to learn the history of Tulsa. Next up, a shout out to Dwayne The Rock Johnson for his large gift to the SAC After Fund. I love to see that in this strike time for both the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild, that those who have made it to the status of The Rock are willing to send the ladder back down to make sure that those who aspire to be on his level can continue to do so. 
And then finally, a shout out to Greta Gerwig, the writer of the Barbie movie. Her monologue that is performed by America Ferreira is much talked about and has many women of all creeds and colors leaving the theater feeling seen and affirmed. Shout out to Greta for providing a real moment amidst a sea of pinkness. Looking forward to the strike ending so such classics can continue being created. All right, friends, that's it for me this week. It's been a pleasure to rip the seal off and finally be able to sit in front of a microphone and chat with you a bit. Look forward to getting your feedback. I'll see you next week talking about the future of diversity, equity, inclusion, aka DEI in the wake of the students for fair admissions versus Harvard University case. See you then. The views expressed by John Carroll in the preceding podcast are solely that of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of the author's employer, company, or other associated parties. Thank you.